So welcome to your story, your glory. Deepak, who's on the show today? You're going to like him, honey, because you will be able to relate to him. He is a software engineer. What is a software engineer doing here at your story, your glory? Because he has a special story of becoming world champion of public speaking 2022. Oh my God. So are you talking about Cyril Jr. Dim, a software yes. engineer and international public speaker? Absolutely right. We are going to have a conversation with Cyril Junior Dim today, honey. Amazing. So let's begin this exciting episode at Your Story, Your Glory, welcoming the world champion of public speaking 2022, Cyril Junior Dim. Welcome, Cyril, to our podcast and this show, Your Story, Your Glory. And we are so happy to have world champion at our podcast today. Welcome, Cyril, to Your Story, Your Glory. I'm very sure our audience are going to be really excited to know your story, not just of championship, but a software engineer turned into world championship and a lot more interesting element that you're going to talk about. Welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So we have the youngest world champion of public speaking in the history of Toastmasters International. Spending 13 years mastering the art of public speaking and becoming the world champion at the age of 24. Wow. And Cyril, I want to begin with the craziest part of your story for this championship. I don't know if I don't know if I would I would call the actual result crazy because we were hoping that things would work out in the end. I think the crazy part of the story was the two months leading up to the world championship because we got the invitation to participate in the semifinals on June the 30th. And we were super excited, but we immediately realized that I didn't have an American visa uh, and I didn't have my physical residency card. Now, that wouldn't be a problem because we could still compete online. But my dream for whenever I would compete in the world championship it always involved a huge stage, shining lights, people in the crowd. And I really wanted to be there physically, if not for anything else to prove that this was important to me. And so those two months literally became this war of trying to go through bureaucrats, trying to reach out to the embassy. At some point, and maybe we'll talk about this later, I was standing in the immigration office dressed like a mafiosi, <laughs> trying to intimidate them to give them my residency card. You know? <laughs> and at the very peak of it all, we had members of the club, my home club, reaching out to the mayor of the city. And that's actually the story of how I managed to go. But Remember, all this is happening and I still have to prepare a speech. Okay. I still have to rehearse. And so it felt like I was carrying, you know, the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I felt it many times that it wasn't going to work out. I thought I'm going to be doing the world championship from my room somewhere, which, which made me a bit sad. Yeah. So eventually to actually be on the plane and think, wow, we're really going. This is really happening. That was that was crazy. Absolutely. That's indeed crazy part, right, Deepak? Yeah, nobody knows about it. Yeah, nobody knows about it. Yes, there's a lot goes behind 
in your journey when you are going for big things. We heard you saying that this feels like one of those wild dreams. Were you least expecting it? I would say my inner voice, it caught up to me a few times because there were moments when I was very firm in myself and said, I'm going to do this. This is going to be great. It's going to be a perfect speech. And then there was literally a split second backstage when I asked myself, so who, who, who do you think you are, really? You think you're going to go out there and outspeak some of the best speakers in the world? You know, these people have life experience. They have professional experience. They have rapport. They actually know what they're, what they're talking about. You just have a story about your name. And in that split second, I started doubting myself. Of course, I'm happy that I sort of picked myself up and I went on stage and just said, you know what, forget it. Whatever happens, happens. Awesome. But walking off that stage and thinking, I really did my best. There's nothing I could have done more. There's nothing I regret. It was, it was fulfilling. But then to actually find out that it worked, it's enough. This is what the judges were looking for, for a world championship speech. It was, it was amazing. It really was. Yeah, and me and Honey was watching your speech together. And when you finish your speech, it gave us goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. During the speech itself, and yeah. uh, the very question, Cyril, uh, you just said, who do you think you are? That inner voice in you, I think everybody has it. But the speech that you did on the stage, I think that answered it very powerfully very powerfully so when you talk about dini definitely uh, our audience would like to know when did you start preparing for it seems like in your childhood so for this yeah. wild dream share with us your preparation process and definitely the practice plan right so i had a lot of shall i say positive peer pressure because my club is wildly wildly talented especially when you go for content sometimes <laughs> I'm, I'm more afraid of these guys than I am you know at higher levels because these okay. guys <laughs> and so what happened was I had a different speech entirely entirely different set of speeches two speeches at the very beginning and we go for the area contest and one of my club mates is giving the test speech for the evaluation contest and I'm not worried about him because we're not competing. I qualified from the club. He's not competing at all, luckily for me. And he goes on stage with this very simple but very powerful speech. And this is a test speech. It's not a contest speech. It's just one of the speeches he has in his pocket. And I'm thinking, I would not have beaten this guy with my current speech. There is no way I would have had a chance and so after that contest, I went home and I just ripped the script. I thought, no, this is not the speech. And it's an entire window between February and March when I was just writing, deleting, writing, deleting. And I got on this taxi with this guy, this, this Bogdan character. And in the real story, when I'm sitting in the taxi, of course, I'm thinking of how I can write a story out of this because I was really angry with this guy when I was sitting in the taxi. And towards the end of the ride, I'm thinking, wait, 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 wait. And I pull out my phone and I start making notes. And at the beginning of the ride, I was really angry at him. I banged the door and he was looking at me in the mirror. And at the end of the ride, I jump out of his car. I'm like, thank you. Thank you very much. And I run away. 
and that's where the idea for Bogdan came from. And we wrote that script. It took us a couple of days to write those 700 words. But because we were already in the middle of contest season, we needed to compensate for the time that we had lost, time between club and area and pre-club contest. So what I was doing was I was going to the local comedy club. They have open mic Mondays. And it's a rough crowd, you know, because they're expecting comedians. Yeah. So very good feedback because you speak in front of them. And if they're laughing, you know, for sure you've struck gold. Yeah. And them and other open communities like that became my practicing ground. Awesome. Um, yeah. But, but then, of course, I still had the one speech. We still needed to find a second speech. And this journey of finding my truest self, the speech that I could offer in the finals, it took us again over several speeches. Dini was actually my fifth option. And if I'm being honest, it was the option I didn't want to present because I was worried it would make me look weak. It would make me uncomfortable. So I really, at first, didn't want to give that speech. And so a couple of months before the contest again, I'm presenting in front of a different club. And there's one of my friends, she's sitting in the crowd and she's my evaluator on the day. And I come to her afterwards and I say, you know, you heard my speech. Is this the speech? Would you hear this speech in a contest and say, I don't want to hear anybody else. This is the winning speech. And she looked at me and she said, no, nah, no, no. I've heard you speak much better than this. <laughs> I need you to dig deep, Cyril. If you want to hold my attention, I want you to dig deep. And I go home. I argue with my mentor about everything, really. I'm, I'm telling her, look, I can't even go there physically. I don't have my temporary card. I don't have the visa. And we're arguing and I'm saying my life is not fair. It's not fair that because I'm from Zimbabwe, I have to fight twice as hard as everybody else. And my mentor looks at me, she's like, what do you mean your life is harder than everybody else? You mean your life is harder than a single mother somewhere who's raising two or three kids by herself? Wow. And I couldn't answer her. I couldn't answer her at all. And that was a very good analogy because for a while my mother was a single parent so my mentor really hit me where it hurt hard, yeah. and so when we end that call I remember picking up my passport and I looked at it and I was like yeah this is me this is me and that's where Ndini came from oh wow. <laughs> that's a beautiful story behind it really inspiring that's how speeches evolve I think and how powerfully Cyril converted that very moment into a winning speech. And that's amazing. I would like to tell the audience here, it's very important when a thought comes into your mind, an idea pops out, write it down and start evolving it because you don't know one simple idea can become a world championship speech. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say I've noticed it many times that if you let an idea fester in your mind long enough, it starts to sound crazy. So what was a really good idea at first? Could, you could give up on it if you don't write it down and work on it. So I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. Journaling and writing stories down in the moment or at the end of the day, it's really helped me to have a collection of stories that I can always go back to and use in my materials. I, I definitely agree with you there. Yes, yes. Cyril, you have explored several avenues of the speaking world, from theater to stand-up comedy, sports commentary to hosting events. How do you think it has helped you in your journey to world championship? And if I may ask, 
if you have to go back to any of these particularly which is your favorite bit okay so i would say commentary or being an mc at a live sports event i would say that was my favorite not because it was glorious or anything but because it was a really rough crowd these were the finals of the national championships for the men's basketball and i was the guy on the microphone running up and down making all this noise and it's a tough crowd because one team is losing a few guys don't like you a few guys are stressed and when i grew up learning how to speak my coaches would always tell me if you know how to handle a tough crowd then you can handle any crowd in the world so i think exposing myself to these audiences that had different expectations that had different tolerances for me and having to adjust to them and present for them and win them over it kind of prepared me for what the goal of public speaking is and that's to connect and that's to win people over i think this versatile approach to public speaking from a very early stage in my life it prepared me to adapt more to different audiences around the world and i would say that was the greatest benefit i wouldn't call myself the best but i'm not the worst when it comes to handling different demographics of people different audiences in my crowd and so forth that's really powerful we try to run away from these elements which make us little uncomfortable but yeah. i think here's the learning right deepak that if you can handle the most tough crowd you can handle anything on the stage right and adding to it i think uh, as honey mentioned that you have also done theater i'm sure it would have helped you in your platform skills oh certainly 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 uh, my mother was an actress actually and that was my earliest introduction to the world of acting i tried to delineate between public speaking and acting but to some extent you can use elements of one world to complement the other absolutely and one thing that i always practice with my mentor is going back in time to the moment you're describing so if i'm in the car with mom and we're arguing and i say something stupid instead of just narrating it back to you it's more powerful for you as a listener if i go back in time and you can see me sitting in the car if you can see a silly kid who says something stupid to his mom you if i go back in time to the moment when i sign away my name instead of just telling you well it happened i got rid of my name taking you back with me re-inhabiting that space it makes everything more real to you yeah and so that's what we're trying to do we're trying to convey emotion and the world of acting has taught me how to inhabit these folds where you can convey maximal emotion because you've got 7 minutes only to do all yeah. this yeah absolutely there. roller coaster so theater definitely helped big time and i can relate to it because i have also done a lot of theater certainly certainly does help a lot absolutely to, no doubt and to move people yeah so let me take cyril from theater to something which is of really good interest for me that's software engineer so cyril uh, being a product manager myself and working as a training professional for several it corporates i have found that software engineers love talking and probably they are most comfortable talking to their computers than the people <laughs> particularly at stage huh? i have this curiosity to know and i'm very sure our audience would love to hear from you 
that how did you discover your stage? Right. In my case, the results of being a good communicator, they proved to me that there was some value in learning how to speak. Public speaking is a game changer in any industry. In any industry, the person who knows how to articulate themselves to convey messages, thoughts, ideas, feelings in a professional environment, while staying, of course, within the jargon, the industry and all that, that person typically goes further in their career than somebody who is super skilled, but can only talk to their computer. Typically, those people who are very skilled technically, but miss out on this soft skills element of communication, self-presentation and so forth, they will only be useful in that technical front. But the people who prove themselves, and again, this is in any industry, beyond the technical aspects, if they can show you that, look, I can share an idea and make you care about it, I can say something from my world and make you understand it, then those people are invited whenever we release new products, we release new software or anything like that, we need some interface between our world of developers and everybody else. Somebody in the middle is going to have to go up there and say, ladies and gentlemen, we have just released ABC. It's going to change your life. Give us your money. And the public speaker is going to get that job. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's where it comes down. It's always a matter of, balancing out our technical skills with the soft skills. And I believe public speaking is a game changer in that field, because if you're learning public speaking, you're not just learning to talk, you're learning to understand your audience, understand their needs, map what emotions you want to evoke, evoke those emotions and so forth. So it's an entire, entire bubble of different emotional intelligences that you're learning just by being a good public speaker. I think Piran pointed out really well that the most important part is articulation. Now, I know of a game developer I'm working with. He's really amazing at his work. He has worked with some of the very good game ideas. But when it comes to articulating the ideas, that is where I always tell him that show up, speak up, practice, and join Toastmasters if you need. Because you need to articulate your ideas really well. If you're developing a game so well and you're not able to share it with people, I think that is the gap. And Cyril has pointed out really powerfully. Cyril, we always talk in uh, Toastmasters speeches or in champion speeches, then look at a speech. For every speaker, he shows that in the journey of his speech, there was a point, there was a moment when he got changed. In your speech, also you got changed when your friend showed you and talked about his name. That was a guru in the speech for you. I want to talk about your guru in your real life. Who was your guru and who was behind this? I'm sure there must be somebody who has been pushing you, uh, motivating you always. We would definitely like to know about that person in this podcast. I think my club uh, and my people around me, they... I feel very lucky. They treated me like an investment. And at every point in my journey, I feel like people gave me a kind of kindness that I didn't deserve. Very early on in my journey, I'll be very honest about it. I was cocky. I believed I was God's gift to public speaking. I thought there was nothing I could learn. 
But even in that frame of mind, I had people who were patient enough to say, look, if you do this differently, you can become better. Now, of course, this blanket statement, I hope it covers members of my club because it's just too many of them to mention. I have to mention as well that I worked closely with uh, my mentor, my current mentor, her name is Naomi Isaacs. It felt like for the entire journey, she kind of adopted me as her own. Oh. She took my success very personally and she was there for me. I'll never forget 2020 semifinals when they announced the finalists and my name wasn't there and I was just broken. And we had made a plan with Naomi to sit and talk, but I, ju I just couldn't look at her. I felt like I let her down and I'm sitting in front of my laptop. I have the link for Zoom. She's telling me I'm waiting for her, but I just couldn't click it. And it's 40 minutes, literally 40 minutes back and forth where she's like, I'm here, I'm waiting, you are not alone. I'm gonna wait until you're ready. If you don't wanna talk about the contest, we can talk about something else. And that, this is somebody I've never met in person. We met online, she is in Germany. We've never wow. seen each other. And she's waiting 40 minutes for me so we could have a chat about what just happened. And then she calls my girlfriend. She's like, uh, Camila, do you think differently of Cyril because he didn't win? And Camila looks at me, she's like, no, no, it's still the same him. <laughs> I mean, I would still kill him, but it's still the same him. I know. And, and I'm looking at these, these two very, shall I say, cornerstone figures in my life because Camila as well, she's been present at every major championship we've won over the past four years. Wow. She's part of that journey. Her favorite phrase is, it's my job to be stressed. You just go there and perform. I'll take care oh. of stressing out and freaking out. Don't worry about it. I'm very good at that. You just go and perform. And to have such confidence, her family even, you know, as well as kind of adopted me. I've got her, her parents using Google Translate because they speak Polish using Google Translate so they can send me a little nice something in English, her sister, her brother-in-law. And all these people have kind of enveloped me so that in the end, even when I'm on stage, I feel like it's greater than me, that kind of thing. Of course, I, I can't help but mention my parents, mom Absolutely. and dad, my grandparents, and why I think that their input is invaluable is because I, I'm maybe you might understand this, there are communities where if you're not a doctor, if you're not a lawyer, then it's not worth it. Your parents will not support you if you want to be a musician or something like that. Now imagine living in such a community and telling your parents, I like public speaking. Nobody's feeding their family in Zimbabwe yeah. just for public speaking, they have to do a few things. But when I said, this is what I enjoy, this is what I like, I'm in Toastmasters where I'm not being paid to speak but I'm investing in myself. They didn't question it once. They supported me through and through. They call me before I go on stage. They call me afterwards, they celebrate with me and they have made no secret of the fact that they're proud of the things we're doing. So answering your question, I don't know if I can single out one person, you know, world, the world champions that I've spoken to. I've been speaking to these guys. These are my heroes. They don't know it, but these are my heroes. And they're talking to me, just a nobody living in Poland. I really feel lucky. I really feel like I am a project that many people just invested in. Wow. And it paid off eventually. So <laughs> that's me right now. Yes, actually it has hit off. And it is hard work of every single person around you. No doubt. 
and i would like to really applaud for all those heroes of your life all those club members and all those family members i'm very sure they are so proud of you now and we are so grateful to hear their stories as well yes sir um uh, your speech because it touched millions of lives and we'll keep on doing that self acceptance and i'm very sure it would not have been that easy the way you made it look easy in the 7 minutes of speech i would really want you to share something about your journey of finding your truest self with our audience well that's a very important one thank you for that honey i would say a turning point in my life was when i moved abroad for college i think at that moment i realized the power of seeing the world seeing the world opens your mind and it makes you realize just how small you are when you see the world you realize that some of the self importance we feel is really misplaced the fight i had with myself where i didn't like myself i wasn't content with myself it was because i was living in this bubble in zimbabwe where people didn't know much about nigeria we only knew the nigeria we saw in the movies and you know those movies may not represent the full picture absolutely my truth was from the zimbabwean side of my family i've never met the nigerian side of my family and so everything i knew about myself the lenses through which i examined myself with the zimbabwean lenses the african lenses that one dimensional lens and when i moved abroad and realized that it's an entire world of different people different cultures with different names and they accept them it identifies them you know where they are from and they're proud of that i started realizing that this is perhaps a problem that my generation has where we're from where we've been so influenced by the media that we're embarrassed to be who we are we're embarrassed to embrace our identity and i think many cultures in the world can identify with this where any culture that is not perhaps modern is perceived as backwards and i don't think that's always the case so moving to europe it made me really look myself in the mirror and say look who are you really I didn't want to be a chameleon who just blends in. I moved to Europe, I become European. I moved to the United States, I become American. I wanted to always be me wherever I go. It became mission. And to meet friends from Africa who had this as their reality, meeting Nick for example, who is very proud of his Congolese heritage, meeting people from 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 parts of Asia, from parts of the United States, different parts of Europe. who are proud of their heritage however different it may be however weird it may be i was ashamed of myself at some point you know and i thought oh something needs to change and that was the first time i ever bought an african suit for example well i didn't buy a suit i bought a t-shirt you know baby steps and eventually i graduated to buying a full suit and eventually i graduated to telling people that I had a uniquely African part of me that I wasn't proud of and that I got rid of which was my name and it was the story of my life I would say trying to identify who I am who I really am uh if you don't mind me rambling a bit a bit more I was born in the UK 
My mother's side of the family is from Zimbabwe. My father's side is Nigerian. I've got family in the United States who are naturalized American citizens. Family in Sweden, they're Swedish as well. And here I am in the center of all this thinking, well, what, what does that make me? My favorite book, one of my favorite books that I read was by June Palairi. It's The Namesake, which also tells a story of a young guy who doesn't really know who he is. It's the journey of finding oneself and accepting oneself. So I wouldn't say I'm quite there yet. There are many things that I would hope to work on in this journey of being truly me, uniquely me, beautifully me. But this is where the entire story came from. This is really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing this journey with us. No doubt. There's a life behind it and such a beautiful life. This is for our audience. I want to say that don't neglect any part of your life because anything that is happening around your life can become a world championship speech. So keep writing your stories, keep putting it down in your story file so that one day, one of you, like Cyril, will share with us that amazing journey. And more than the speech, what I truly feel, uh, Deepak and Cyril, is that this continuous journey of finding your true self, evolving wherever you are going, but still staying true, true to who you are. I think that's the journey that Cyril has shared in his speech. And I think that would have been inspiring. But Cyril, I'm curious to know one part, and you can choose if you do not want to answer this. But is there any part of your story where you want to go back and change something? Well, th that's, again, a, an important one. I mean, the changing point in my story happened because I regretted something. So maybe in the moment when I spoke to Nick, I regretted that I changed my name, for example. But I think now those mistakes were necessary. I think it was uh, the writer of Harry Potter who says, if you're living that quarterly where you don't make any mistakes at all, then have you really lived? Yeah. So I'm not proud of some of the decisions I've made. And then like you said, I'm, I like to think on the young side of life. So I imagine I'm going to make plenty mistakes more for the rest of my life, perhaps. I think as long as we're learning from those mistakes, and I know this is rather cliche, we always say this, yeah. I think that's the greatest importance. Or rather, if we're sh sharing what those mistakes did to us with other people, then other people can learn from our story, which I think is part of why we're here, to help each other. So answering your question, no. No, I don't think I would go back and change anything it is what it is. <laughs> ah, this is what it is. Yes. This is what it is. I yes. love that part. So today you are a youth icon. At 24 years, you're a world champion. You are an influencer for many youngsters. So in the end, I would like you to share with us what would be your message to all the youngsters in the world on public speaking. Well. I would say the biggest lesson that I learned was that authenticity wins. Some of the most memorable speakers I know were not master presenters. They couldn't go on stage and, you know, perform a ballet. They could figuratively 
strip themselves down and say, this is who I am. Yeah. I've got scars here, a couple of scars there. I've got a tattoo here. And all of them have stories. This is who I am. And I think the world needs a lot of that. Our youth is especially pressured to aspire towards a life of perfection. Our youth is especially pressured by media, by social networks and stuff to show that you're living the life, the dream. Perfection is something that all the youth, or not, let me not say all, but many of the youth are chasing afterwards. And in a world of so many youth chasing perfection, you being authentic in your imperfection, it makes you more believable. It makes you more memorable. It makes you more relatable because the truth is as humans, none of us are perfect. We're gonna make many mistakes. And sometimes we're just looking for somebody else that has made that mistake to tell us what it taught them, how they got out of it, and what they learned from it. So in the end, the greatest question is when you're speaking, great. If you're doing a good job presenting, fine. That's kudos to you. Yeah. But the question I want you to ask yourself each time you're speaking is, was that really you? Thank you so much, Cyril for this uh, last statement was that really you. It really, really hits very hard. And uh, authenticity as uh, Honey and me, we always uh, being mentored by Mark Brown. And uh, he always says authenticity builds credibility. And that's what you have shown in your speech. Knowing a bit of your story in the last 30 minutes or so, you have been with theaters, commentary, and uh, stand-up comedy, and now a world champion. If you have to pick all of these together and do a two-minute act of your story, how would you do it? Oh, geez. Okay, so my story began, shall I say, on a stage at age three. I was doing a Christmas play and I'm very thankful that I don't remember the lines. My mom would always be backstage waiting for me. And she'd tell me that I'd given the performance of my career. She was my biggest fan. And I was her biggest fan because she was an actress too. She put me in an environment where people would always be calling on me to speak. And she made sure that when people called, I was ready to speak. A very important speech that I gave, I gave in 2009. It was an assignment that I got from my English teacher to write a speech about trees. 200 words, two paragraphs. But it was that speech that made me discover that there were societies that were dedicated to public speaking. And over the next few years, I failed miserably. I competed aggressively, but I learned immensely. And it became my greatest joy to not only succeed as a public speaker, but to see other people succeed, which is what my life mission is right now. I think that many people, if they approach public speaking as deliberately as I have been made to approach it over the past 11 years, then they can not only find their voice, they can impact people, they could change lives, they could change their own lives. So my goal right now is to, of course, see as much of the world as I can, in my capacity as world champion, but also to spread the knowledge of how I came to this point and how I became a public speaker, to invest in somebody else, 
the same way so many have invested in me. That's the story of my life. Short and succinct. Wonderful. That was really lovely. And I wish you all the very best to travel the world, to explore and to find, to keep finding your best and the truest self. Thank you, Dini. <laughs> Thank you, Sil, so for being here with yeah. us, sharing your story and not just inspiring us, but millions of more people who are going to listen to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Cyril.